on this week's show, we celebrate an American hero who has protected our great nation from several global threats. He's a former Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, and Green Beret. He served six tours in Desert Storm, four in Bosnia, three each in Angola, Somalia, Mozambique, Nicaragua, and Sierra Leone. He's a recipient of 16 Purple Hearts, three Congressional Medals of Honor, seven Presidential Medals of Bravery, and he's the starting tight end for the University of Texas, El Paso. Yes, tonight we honor the man, the myth, the American legend, McGruber. I'm Troy Sauer. Brad Anderson. And this is Not a Bomb. Last episode of 2021, man. It's here, man. Did you have a good Christmas? Uh, all those insert gifts here. Yes. <laughs> Full disclosure: we uh, we're we're going to be on holiday over the holidays, so we're recording just a few nights after the uh, pop star episode. So we we wished everybody a merry Christmas. So technically, we should be wishing everybody a happy New Year, right? We should, we should, but it just feels a little weird because it's like a week away. So anyway, I know, but we're, we like to prepare and in true form, I am drinking wine out of a Mandalorian glass uh, cup. So it's just like New Year's Eve. I noticed that that's weird. You're, you're classing this up. I'm, I'm not as classy as you are. So I know, well, you know, I'm not as fresh as you are apparently because I listened to that last episode and boy. Do you need <laughs> can, to apologize for anything? Yeah, we should. Can we can we address some things from the last episode real quick before we get into this week? Okay, you know, that happened ahead, last sir. week, the, yeah. the episode from last week. So uh, first thing, uh, one of one of the things in editing it uh, that I made a comment on was about turtles or tortoises. And I'd said, oh, I, I didn't know turtles or tortoises could throw up. And so I immediately went in and went to the Internet and Googled can turtles throw up in is there a web is there a web md for turtles uh, apparently there is so tortoises shell, and, shell md if you will yeah and, oh, that was good nice <laughs> <laughs> tortoises and turtles can vomit due to dehydration or food that's too high in sugar protein or fats and they can also throw up um due to stress anxiety or too much handling or seeing the new matrix movie oh oh wow your reviews in huh not good. Not good. Oh, okay. I'm still going to see it. Yeah, I know. Gonna... you got to. Curiosity is going to get the best of you. Yeah. So, but it begs to like, what do you, what do turtles have to be stressed over <laughs> that makes them throw up? I guess. I mean, I get the too much handling, but is it that they're slow and they're always missing? Like, yeah, they the can't bus get anywhere stuff? quickly. <laughs> they're okay. always, they're always like, you know, bumping up to like, I got to be there at five. Oh, and true. It's 10 feet away. I better yep. start now. Yeah. Well, uh, Hey, I learned something, so I thought I would share that with you. But then the other thing, which uh, when when we talked last week, I I got to I, I don't know express my distaste for what I consider the worst song ever made 
by the band LFO and you had made a comment that you thought something had happened to one of the singers. And of course I, in, in true, I don't know, I was on a roll that night still hating all over summertime girls or whatever that song is, um, had, had made the comment that, Oh, they, they, <laughs> God must not have liked that either. So later on that evening, I'm like, was Brad just kidding with me? Did somebody, did something really happen? And, uh, Man, talk about feeling like an asshole. Uh, <laughs> well, I learned a little bit about LFO. So the group formed in 1995, and there were three original members. So it was Rich Cronin, Brad Fischetti, and Brian Gillis. And in 1999, Gillis left the group, and Devin Lima joined. So here's where it gets sad. Does LFO stands for something, right? Uh, I don't know. It's. I think it's like... Something funky ones. I know. I think it's something funky ones. Okay. I'm, I'll trust you. Okay, go ahead. Well, here's here's the thing. So I think what you were referring to is Rich Cronin passed in 2010. Cronin was 35 at the time of his passing, which is super young. And the cause of death was reported as leukemia. And apparently that singer had been battling it for years. So I light, light, funky ones, light, funky ones. Okay. Um, so I, I started feeling terrible for making that comment, but then it got worse because as I continued reading, uh, the guy that joined in 99, Devin Lima, he passed away in 2018, uh, after battling cancer. So we had two LFO members that died and, um, yeah, boy, I felt terrible. I, I thought you were kind of joking, but, um, Man, wow. Is it a curse being in the LFO? I don't know. Um, it- I still don't like their song. I, well, uh, let me rephrase that. I still hate their song, like to the core of my body. But oh, uh, oh well, trust me, Troy, we all know. Okay, um, but yeah, I, uh, I felt really bad <laughs> after knowing that you weren't joking, and actually, two of them had passed. So that is my formal apology to all the LFO fans out there. I am sorry for for making light of um, leukemia and cancer. Uh, you, you didn't know it was ignorance. Yeah, it was. Uh, I already know I'm not getting anything for Christmas. So that's fine. I'm I'm good with that. Sorry. Right. Yeah, that's I'm good. Because right. uh, I got my I got my what? wine. <laughs> yeah, but tonight we're not talking about LFO again. We're not going to no. go down that road again. Please, I'm done talking about. It. I don't want to talk about LFO ever again. Although, yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do What are we talking about tonight, Brad? We were talking about 2010's action comedy based on an SNL uh, skit. Uh, directed by Yorma Dacomi. Uh It is MacGruber. MacGruber. Yeah. And you're supposed to say it like that? I think so. Okay. Yeah. 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 Celery. I don't know. <laughs> Celery. <laughs> yes, this was, this was my pick. So all month we've been doing the Lonely Island uh, films. And I think, is Andy Samberg the only one that's not in this or doesn't have anything to do with it? Or is this... Is it is this just a Yorma? To I think Yorma co- just directed this one, okay. from what I can understand. And he wrote. I know he wrote it because he yeah, came up yeah. with the MacGruber character. Okay. Well, this this was something that I, I want to say early on when we were kind of putting a list out and asking people to tell us what movies that bombed that they wanted to hear about. This showed up pretty early. Everyone recommended MacGruber. Everyone did. Uh, yeah. And our, our good friend over at um, the Iron Sequel had actually talked about this one, too. So we decided to do this in December. And then as we put two and two together, 
all of a sudden we're like, Hey, I guess we're doing a lonely Island month. Uh, real quick. We're, it, it, we'll talk about sort of the inception of MacGruber, but were you a MacGruber fan before the film? Did you enjoy the Saturday night live skits? Uh, I wouldn't say I loved it. It was always okay for me. Okay. Um, and, and to be honest, I this was during the time I was a little off and on with SNL. Earlier 2000s, I watched SNL all the time. And then later on, um, I became a little bit more lapsed of a fan. Um, and now I don't watch it at all. But uh, this is the beginning of me kind of moving away from SNL. Um, so I didn't see all of MacGruber stuff to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. Well then I guess the bigger question is MacGruber is, is a parody of a famous television character, MacGyver. Are you a MacGyver fan? Did you ever watch oh, that absolutely show? Absolutely. a MacGyver fan. I remember watching that. Oh, was it on ABC or something like that? I remember seeing it all the time and loving every second of it. Um, yeah. Richard Dean Anderson. Really? I, I, have, I always imagined that somehow he and I were related. Really? Just because yeah. of last name? Yeah, you know, man. I, mean, I was a, oh, dumb okay. kid. I'm a right. dumb adult, but I was a dumber kid. So. Okay, that's true. Um, I've <laughs> never seen an episode of MacGyver, ever. What? Never. I've never. So anytime that show would come on in the background, or I, I would just flip the channel. I had no interest in it. Because to my knowledge, looking at all the trailers, MacGyver would run around with uh, paper clips and bubble gum uh-huh. and diffuse bombs. But at no point in time was he like kicking people in the faces. So uh, I just I was not interested. You're not wrong. Right. But he was a guy who always improvised and used what he had to make something really cool. And, you, and I, as a little kid, was wondering like, Oh, can you do that with dental floss and uh, a thimble? Could you hang someone or do something like that? Were you learning science while you watched it? I thought I was, you know, it was, it was the way I was getting science into my brain. Like how how scientifically accurate is the MacGyver TV show? Do we know? I have no idea. I have no idea. I I think I'm going to guess a lot of it was probably uh, not very scientific. Um, in more on the uh, bullshit level, oh okay, and I than I would have probably imagined when I was little, but um, it was a cool show. I haven't seen an episode in probably twenty five years. Probably, I think it ran to ninety two. Yeah, it was so, eighty five yeah. to ninety two, and um, I think they did a reboot that lasted for four or five years. Right, just here recently. Um, that's right, because the kid from Monster Trucks was in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this is one of those late 80s properties that I... <laughs> I am shocked. Dude, I, I mean, we're talking... If, if you're talking late 80s, going into early 90s, I'm, I'm in high school, going to college. If there was any remote possibility of watching a television show and it didn't have ninjas face-kicking... And there was a possibility that I was going to learn math and science. Fuck that show. Okay. Okay. So I was not interested in that kind of television at that time. Um, So I loved my ninja movies and, um, you know, so. That was a better choice. To be perfectly honest with you, that was the better choice. Uh, You're a little older than me. So I don't know if seven-year-old Brad would have been able to have been able to see some of the things you were watching. But uh, MacGyver was the the, the next best thing. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was watching TV shows like, uh, the master with Lee Van Cleef. And I mean, I was a ninja TV show or, okay. you know, any, anything that was uh face kick. I mean, the late eighties had some good action films. And we talked about the year of 1988 being one of like the, the greatest years in cinema. So late eighties was great for, for movies. I really can honestly sit there and say, I did not watch a lot of television shows of the late eighties and definitely not MacGyver that, that looked too nerdy. So I mean, it was, yeah, it was, um, well, let's, let's get into this. So uh, this, this is going to be a weird episode for one reason. I don't know how much we can talk about this film. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but secondly, I have no idea where you're going to fall in this pop star threw me for a loop because I thought we were going to spend a lot of time just going nuts over that one and talking about how funny it is. And I was really surprised for just my reaction on it for the second take. I was super surprised at Jose's reaction, and and you ended up being sort of the the champion of that. Where Jose I was the one and, that was correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, yep. you know, you're using the word uh, correct very loosely, but um, let's let's get into why this thing is on a podcast called Not a Bomb. So, how, yeah, how did it do in the box office? There's numerous factors, Troy. The first one being that uh, MacGruber released May 21st of 2010. Ooh, a day um, before a, my birthday. Ooh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Twenty uh, second. Um, had a reported budget of ten million dollars. Its total box office gross was nine point three two million dollars. Is that so total Macruber, or domestic? That's total. Ooh. It failed to make back its production budget. Um, that breaks down as about eight point five million domestic, in roughly eight hundred thousand uh, internationally. So to put that in context, Popstar I think made like forty million internationally. Mm-hmm. So this does a little bit better. Um, opening weekend for McGruber makes four million dollars. That is good enough for sixth place Ouch. in uh, the weekend. Here are the films that beat out McGruber. Huh. Here we go. These are some stinkers. Shrek Forever After. Is that the third or fourth one? How many Shrek movies were there? That's the fourth one because I think it's Shrek the third and then Shrek Forever After. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay. Um, Iron Man two. Woof. Woof. Not 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 a great movie. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood. That's the Russell Crowe Robin Hood. Not a great movie. Wolf. Yeah. Uh, Letters to Juliet. Yeah, I'm not. We'll say Wolf on that too. Yeah. And just right, which I believe is a uh, has a, I want to say that's common, maybe, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that is a Gruber. Those are terrible. Yeah, terrible. That's, terrible. That's terrible. 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 That is a terrible, terrible time to go to the movies, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. I mean, Iron Man two. We all went. I mean, I would right now. Yeah. I would give an arm and a leg to be able to see those movies in the theater. Uh, you know, just because. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. So we're we're like early summer in that and still not great movies. Um, so additionally, not only does McGruber not get its uh, production budget back, but it sits at a 48 percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a 35 percent with the audience. I'm sorry, a 35 percent, 35 percent with over 100,000 reviews from the audience. So critics like McGruber more than the audience, which uh, okay. is strange. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I'm shocked by that. I, I usually can peg uh, what I think an audience score is going to be for a movie. Um, and MacGruber, I would have thought would be like double that. I would have said 70 to 75 easy. Huh. Um, huh. Well, do yeah. You, uh, I, I looked this up as well. So la- last week we talked about, cause I, I think with comedies, especially Hollywood comedies, you can kind of tell what the trend is based on like the top comedies for that year. So when we talked about pop star in 2016, the top comedy I think was ghostbusters afterlife. So the reboot, mm-hmm. right? No, the ghostbusters 2016, 2016. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, not afterlife. Right. So that year, I think we had said, okay, if you looked at the top 10 comedies for 2016, it wasn't a really good year. Did, did you happen to take a gander at the ones for 2010? I know like grownups is on there. Grownups is number one. Hot tub time machine is another one that yes. came out that year. Yep. That was number get 10. Up, get up to the Greek. Uh, yeah, that was number eight. So I'll, I'll just read the top 10 around. So grow, you, you're right. Grownups is number one. And I want to say it had a gross of 162 million. Uh, the other guys was 119 million. That was number two. Then you get Little Fockers, Due Date, uh, Date Night was number five. Uh, that came in at like 98 million, which kind of surprised me. Sex in the City Two, Dinner for Schmucks, Get Him to the Greek, which you talked about was number eight. Easy A. And number 10 was Hot Tub Time Machine. Number 11 was Cop Out. There you go. Ugh. Yeah, MacGruber came in at the, the 20th only, for the I, year. I think, yeah, I think the film I would recommend the most out of that is Easy A. Easy A is easily the best film out of that lot. Uh, I Easy A and Date Night is actually really good. I'm yeah, surprised okay. how good Date Night is. But the rest uh, of it didn't is... Tucker and, didn't Tucker and Dale come out in 2010? I, I think so. Um, I know Scott Pilgrim... Came out yeah, 2010. Scott Pilgrim, yeah. So yeah. that's considered a comedy. But yeah, it's, uh, oh, um, not another great year in terms of comedies. And again, I, I want to say um, we're, we're dealing with the heavy R-rated comedy, right? Yep. Yep. We still got that going. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So... <laughs> Do you want to hear some more bad news? Oh, Here boy. are the films that were released May of 2010. Uh-oh. We have Prince of Persia, Sex in the City 2. Um, we also have Shrek Forever After, uh, Fair Game. Um, we also have a film that is called Iron Man 2, which we talked about. Yep, yep. And that's about it. Dang. Dang. Is there is there another month out there that might have been worse than May 2010? I mean, like summer blockbuster. No, specifically May 2010. That sounds like the worst May it's, ever. It sounds pretty bad. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess nobody was going to the films except to go see Tony Stark, right? I guess, yeah, and that was just because the first one was so good, but that second one is not great. But yeah, yeah man, so that not around, not a very good time for MacGruber to come out because movies apparently sucked then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a bleak year yeah. for Hollywood. Uh, okay, well let's let's talk about the people who made it. We've we've already talked about the director Yorma Tacone quite a bit. Uh, his 
what I find fascinating is he has two film credits. One we talked about last week, which was pop star. And then we've got this week and he's done a lot of shorts and television series. Um, his, his first credit was actually TV movie called regarding Artie in 2003. But I mean, he's a lonely Island guy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, the film is written by three people, Will Forte, Yorma Tacone and John Solomon. So uh, Will Forte actually has a couple of screenwriting credits to uh, his name. And I, around this time period, he had done the brothers Solomon in 2007 and a, I guess a, a parody film called extreme movie in 2008 with Frankie Munez and Michael Sarah. Oh, do you okay. remember that? I, I vaguely, I think it got like a three points on IMDb. It's supposed to be terrible. Oh. Okay. But, but Will Forte wrote the screenplay to that, and um, he worked on that film with John Solomon because John Solomon is, is credited for that. But John Solomon comes from SNL, and he um, worked uh, on SNL, I think, most recently, like 2018, 2021. But really, you've, you've got SNL writers behind the scenes yep, for the most part, right? Uh, cinematographer. Now, Jose did an amazing job talking about Popstar. And so we're dealing with the same cinematographer from Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping here. One credit I do want to talk about behind the scenes is the stunt coordinator, Al Goto. All right. So in 2010, Al's pretty busy. Okay. So in 2010, he worked on 12 projects as a stunt person, right? Ranging from Book of Eli to Stargate Universe. So film, TV, the whole nine yards. Uh, but he's been on the show a couple of times as a stunt coordinator. He was the stunt coordinator for Hamlet 2. He did stunts on that. Okay. He uh, did stunts on Southland Tales. We talked about that one earlier in the year. And here we go. We cannot have the last episode. I, tell me what Jackie Chan movie he worked on. Troy. Rush Hour 2 in 2001. Okay. He did stunts for that. So come on, man. I, I last episode coming. of 2021. We got we to gotta pull that Jackie Chan connection in. All we need is a Tom Cruise connection somewhere. It might be coming up. Uh, Will Forte was in Rock of Ages. Uh, he did star in that. I don't think he wrote any of that, right? He was in it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. Hey, good segue to the cast, right? I mean, this is a Will Forte film. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. All, all of Will Forte is in this movie. Yes. All of him. Um, he was on, I don't know, Saturday Night Live for, for about a decade from 2002 to 2012. I was I was looking at his filmography. I think in outside of MacGruber and Nebraska that he did in 2013, I don't see a lot of high profile movies where he is the lead actor. No. Yeah, he's he usually is supporting not a leading man. Yeah, he's either he's either supporting um and and even when he is supporting he's usually in the background. Now on television it's a little bit different. He yeah, just yeah. did that series, The Last Man on Earth, that ran for about three years. So he's the lead there. But I mean, what, what's your take on Will Forte? Are you are you a fan or? I, I do think he's very funny. Um, I like him when he shows up in things. Um, he had a little recurring character on, I believe it was How I Met Your Mother. And he also played a guy on the show that I think my wife and I are the only ones that like love the show immensely. It was called The League. Uh, it was on FX mm -hmm. and he played a guy who went to college with one of the guys and all he wanted to do was sit in gum, which was just a, you know, was a joke for <laughs> showing his testicles. Yeah. Um, it's very funny. That's one of the best episodes. 
Um, and he's great in that. I, I like him because he is a good straight man and then can go crazy at any point in time. And again, he does the deadpan stuff really well. Um, so that's always going to be kind of my, one of my favorite comedic tropes is like the deadpan routine. So yeah, I'm, I'm always I a like fan a lot when, when he shows up, I, I, I do enjoy what he brings to the table. Um, he's great in Nebraska, but I, I, he's one of those two that I wish Hollywood would do more with them. But I, I think at the same time, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know what to do with Will Forte because he is a great straight man, but sometimes his, his humor and his comedy come out of left field. And, and I don't, I don't think that plays to the masses very well. I mean, obviously McGruber got what a 35% or whatever audience score. So, okay. Uh, moving on Kristen Wiig as Vicky. I am a huge Kristen Wiig fan. I mean, she's same. been in SNL 2005, 2019, uh, bridesmaid in 2011 now. Yeah. So, so the, one of the things I wanted to bring up is everyone had this revelation about Kristen Wiig in 2011 because of bridesmaids. And I was like, where have you been for the last few years? Because she's been hilarious. And everyone was like, Oh, bridesmaids, like Kristen Wiig is like the funniest thing in the world. And you're like, yeah, I know we've, we've known that for a while. Thank you. I, I, I kind of agree in the stuff that they put her in. I mean, we can talk about Wonder Woman 1984. That that was terrible, and yeah. and she wasn't that great in it. Uh, the Ghostbusters 2016, answer the call, whatever we're calling it. Uh, she was okay in it. That was just. I mean, I don't think any performance saves that movie. You know, like it just wasn't a funny yeah, movie. I agree. I I don't know. It's it's another one. Anytime Kristen Wiig kind of shows up, I I'm. I'm immediately interested in seeing, you know, what she's going to do and I will gravitate to that film. But I, I feel like we, we, we need a Kristen wig resurgence at some point. I, I would yeah. like to see what she does with a more dramatic sort of media role. I think she could yeah. handle it. Talk about someone who could do deadpan comedy. Like she is one of the best. Yeah. Some of my favorite SNL skits from probably, I don't know, for just the last 20 years have her in it. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you, you watch her and if you put her and Maya Rudolph in a skit together, it was like, okay, this is going to be gold. Yeah. If you search on the internet, I think uh, it, they did a skit with Bill Hader uh, where they're like a showcase. Um, they're doing a, a showcase. Here's what you didn't win kind of thing. Her and oh, Maya yeah. Rudolph. It is absolutely hilarious. I mean, and, and Bill Hader can't even keep a straight face while he's watching those two go at it. So really fun. I, big shout out to the 2009 film Adventureland. I love Adventureland. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And she's great in that. She is good. Uh, Ryan Philippe as Piper. I Would you say everybody uh, kind of discovered him? Felipe. Felipe. Philippe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Felipe Piper. He was married to Reese Witherspoon at one point, right? He was. Bit. He was. Okay. Um Probably my generation knows him as the guy that was in Cruel Intentions, and I know what you did last summer. Yeah, I was gonna say it would be those two, right? Where he kind of uh, came onto the scene, but yeah. he's another one. He, he have you seen The Way of the Gun from two thousand? I have. Yes, it's fantastic. I I want to talk about that movie. one. And he's you know one that's done some I don't know Gosford Park Crash. He's 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 a good actor. He's and he's still working. Obviously, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about the fact that the film that we're talking about just happened to get a TV show this month, which we didn't know about. So, yeah, that's how much we pay attention to stuff. <laughs> um, so really, the film kind of revolves around uh, three people, which is Will, Kristen and Ryan, and then maybe two other supporting folks. So 
We've got Val Kilmer as Kunth, yeah. right? Kunth. 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 We will talk probably ad nauseum about Val Kilmer here in the next few months because, I, I mean, I, I think everybody gravitates to Top Gun and Tombstone, right? And Heat. And Heat, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about a film that he did in 2004 that was recommended from a listener called Spartan. Yes. Which I'm really excited. So I think we'll save our Val Kilmer comments for then. I would encourage everybody to watch a very. Oh, shit. And he was Batman too. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever. Batman. But um, he did that. I, I, I don't know. Retrospective. I hate using the word documentary because it's very one-sided. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's basically talking. I mean, he's basically talking about his career. Yes. It's, it's a visual essay. Yeah. Memoir, editorial, whatever you want. And it, and it paints him in a very specific light and does not address some of his behaviors. And we'll get into all the juicy gossip stuff when we get into Spartan. Cause I do think you can't um, really talk about Val Kilmer unless you talk about like where he came from in terms of acting and then even the pressure he put on himself as well as those that he worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, I would encourage everybody to watch the, we'll say documentary Val that came out in, this year, I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was an emotional roller coaster when I watched that, man. It was, it's it is, it's crazy how wrapped up you get into it and the emotions come. And then you take a step back and you go, Oh, wait a minute. He was a dick most of his life. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's nice to see him go back and look at his career. And it's amazing that he took all that, you know, the home video footage but make no mistake, he was not a nice guy in in some of the working conditions, and there are some crazy stories about him. So, yeah, yeah, and then unfortunately he got cancer. He did. Yeah, really can't speak anymore. Um, so, you know, it's sad. I he's mean, a he's, tragic. He's a tragic character, but I mean, he some of that tragedy was of his own doing. Yes, super talented though. Oh my gosh. Um, the last couple I want to talk about a- another one, uh, Maya Rudolph. I feel like. This is not the movie to spend a lot of time with her on. She plays uh, Casey. Obviously, she was in SNL. She's been on SNL for a long time. I know she was a regular for a while, but if you kind of look at her filmography, she was doing things up until 2020. I mean, she's been 20 years on that show. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that long. Well, again, I, I don't know when she was a regular cast member, but if you think about presidential elections and everything that was happening, I mean, they brought oh, her yeah. back. So. Uh, and, and again, talk about one of the most talented, funny, um, even dramatic actresses. Maya Rudolph is is one of my favorites. I'm, I'm a huge fan of her. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. The the last person, are, are you a big Powers Booth fan? He plays Colonel uh, Faith in this. Yes. Okay. What's your favorite Powers Booth movie? Uh, my favorite Powers Booth movie. That's not Tombstone? Yeah. No, it can't be. I mean, yeah, he worked with Al Cameron <laughs> Tombstone. But no, no, no. That's... I'm I'm going with Extreme Prejudice in 1980. Extreme Prejudice, yeah. Yeah, okay. with Nick Nolte. I love that one. I love Southern Comfort. I think he did in 81. Red Dawn. He's in Red Dawn. Yeah, and he's with... And uh, he's got one of the best names of all time. Yeah. He's, he was in Rapid Fire with uh, Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee. Plays oh, the, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yes, he was. Yeah. I, I totally forgot that he passed away in 2017. For some reason in my head, I thought he was still acting because he was i think in the avengers film or one of the avengers film um but yeah yes. I, I was kind of going through the filmography and saw that he passed in 2017 totally forgot about that yeah 
his last movie, it looks like it was Sin City, a dame to kill for. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I, I mean, there's a bunch of wrestlers in here. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this movie really revolves around uh, Will, those Kristen, people. Brian, and Val. It's those four yes. people that are all over this thing, and everybody else just kind of takes a backseat to the shenanigans, right? Yes. Yes, that is true. Okay. Uh, real quick on production and development. So this was a recurring SNL sketch. The first sketch, uh, the MacGruber sketch aired in January of 2007. So in 2009, the sketches were spun off into a series of commercials sponsored by Pepsi premiering during the Super Bowl. And so, um, you know, keep that date in mind, February, 2009. So he, he's showing up in these TV ads and it featured actor Richard Dean Anderson. So, you know, MacGyver as MacGruber's father. And I think he made some stints on uh, the SNL too. Lorne Michaels wanted to do a movie following the success of the advertisements, right? So the skit was pretty funny. It's getting a lot of notoriety. They get these Super Bowl commercials and all of a sudden they're like, you got to write a screenplay like now, like right now. That's what Lorne Michaels told him. So uh, they got together and they wanted to do not just a parody of MacGyver, but they really wanted to do a parody of action films like Lethal Weapon, Rambo, Die Hard. So, you know, 80s yeah, action you can films, see right? that all yeah 80s actions yep that's all over this movie yeah so we you know we had our three screenwriters which you know john yorman will they're writing the film while they're simultaneously producing and starring in you know saturday night live and so tacone and forte wrote this screenplay in five weeks with the initial draft coming in at 177 pages so, so isn't a one page usually equal one minute of of screen time. Is that usually the equation? That is the equation. So if you think about it, this came in at 177 minutes and they didn't have a third act. They, they didn't have an ending to it. Oh my God. Yeah. So they turn it in. I'm, I'm sure that's when somebody came in. I don't know if it was John or, you know, a, a ghostwriter says we gotta, we gotta pare this down a little bit. And also they were trying to rewrite it because they had to keep to that, you know, budget $10 million. So there was six weeks of prep it Wasn't was there fear too that what they wrote was not going to get to be rated R? It was going to be NC seventeen, and it was okay. very abstract. So there was a ton of abstract humor in there too. Oh, okay. Yep. So it was it was a combination of both those things, but one hundred seventy seven pages that that was an epic Gone with the Wind style <laughs> MacGruber no, that's, film. That's yeah, but that's two acts. Yeah, that's two acts. <laughs> they weren't done. That was Southland Tales right there. Oh gosh. Uh, so six weeks prep, they shot the movie between August 10th and September 13th of 2009. So the commercials air in February, Lauren Michaels oh. locks him in a room and says, write a screenplay and they go into production um, and start shooting the film in August. Right? So uh, <laughs> they, they get it wrapped up. It's going to come out in 2010 and right before the release, the creator of the TV series, MacGyver, started sending Lauren Michaels and the production a bunch of cease and desist letters and threatening them with litigation. But uh, no suit was brought against them and the, and the film got to be released. I always thought parody was protected. I, I, I thought so too, but I think there was something that had to do with the fact that and I don't, I don't know. It, it's you're reading something on the internet. The fact that MacGyver was a part of the television commercials with MacGruber and they're doing a MacGruber film 
And then this creator had first rights to a MacGyver movie. And so he thought that he could use that as a way to kind of get a piece of the action, the box office receipts or stop it until he got a producer or something of that nature. But to your point, they're treating it as a parody. And I think he's looking at that saying, well, you used my creation to get him here and I'm not getting a cut of it. But again, that's why it never went uh, to court because I'm sure everybody looked at this and said, you can threaten them with legal action, but you don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, I, <laughs> that's the society we live in, right? Everybody, Oh, get an attorney, threaten them. And maybe I'll get a piece uh, of something. Right. I can kind of see his argument though. Right. Like you, you use this character that I created to get some buzz during the super bowl. And you use that momentum to, green light a, a movie and yeah I mean, but they'll the guy producer credit and call the day no he's he's getting his money from the residuals on his macgyver reruns more people were buying the macgyver vhs or dvd he was he was getting paid yeah it, it was just residual he, he just wasn't getting a check up front right i don't believe yeah. to me that's one of those things where if that went through then think the about it would be pretty bad yeah. oh yeah. yeah think about we wouldn't have parody films anymore because they wouldn't want to talking like lawyers and jose's not even here yeah we're I, we're we need our this yeah we no more this. no more law talk yeah let's talk about dumb comedies was this first no you've seen this before no. right nope nope this I, was uh i think this was probably my third or fourth time seeing this movie um i saw it when it came out on blu-ray and then i had watched it again and then watched it a few years back, but it had been a few, probably been three or four years since I've seen it last. Um, yeah, I bought this by accident. So oh. it, it came as a two pack with the Will Ferrell film land of the lost. And I wanted to see oh, land of the lost. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, it's got MacGruber. I heard that was terrible. Well, I'm going to go ahead and watch it. And so I watched it. I don't know how many years ago that double pack came out. And so this is my second viewing. And we both watched the unrated version. We didn't watch the theatrical, right? Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, so far, Brad, out of the uh, Lonely Island films that we've talked about this month, Brigsby Bear, Hot Rod, and Popstar, you've given a thumbs up to all three of them. I'm I'm three for three, baby. Three for three. Liking everything. Yeah. I'm I'm two for three. Uh, And we come into, would you say out of all of the films of these four, this is the most abrasive, hard R comedy of the four. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was trying to think, like, there I are mean, some things in Popstar that go a little, but this one, some of the jokes are pretty uh, risque. Yes. Um, okay. They make me laugh, but yeah, I. <laughs> there's one that I... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into it. I'm I'm curious your your third or fourth watch. Uh, what what did you think of MacGruber? I absolutely adore MacGruber. I I think this is a classic comedy uh, that needs to be seen by everyone. But I will give the caveat that it is so dumb. Uh, I don't even know if dumb would be like a step up for this movie. It is just downright stupid. <laughs> Um, and I love, I love the ridiculousness of it all. And I love, um, that they never get away from the joke where he is always carrying around his stereo. Like they do that throughout the whole movie. And every time I see it, I'm like, 
I love it. I love it. Um, you know, he's got this thing about these weird sex acts and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I love this movie so much. Um, watching it. I watched it twice. Uh, this oh, week. you watched it twice. Okay. And, and like, cause I knew we were doing it and we were going to record early this week. So I watched it like right after I watched pop star. So I did a, a pop star and McGruber like double feature. Okay. And then this morning I've been off work and I was like, ah, I want to watch McGruber again. It's 90 minutes or whatever it is. The unrated is um, throw it on. And it's like immediately I'm laughing again in like all the, I mean, he has sex with a ghost in this movie um, and <laughs> loud sex, yes, loud sex. Yes. Uh, so there, there's a part of this movie where he has a sex scene and then he drives to a cemetery and has another sex scene with the so ghost of the his kind of, dead wife. Yep. That's the kind of movie we're talking about here. Yeah. And if that doesn't sound funny to you, it's probably not for you. Um, but I don't know if I want to be friends with those people, man. Like I like just how dumb this is and just how much it makes me laugh. I, I don't, I don't understand when people are like, yeah, I don't like McGruber. I'm like, how, how can you not like McGruber? It's, it's so stupid, but it's so funny. Like, Oh, I, I know of one person who hates this film. Is it your wife? Yes. (laughs) She, uh, wow. She, she does not like this film at all. I love your wife, man, but Tabs has got some hot takes on films. She does. And this is that. one that I thought she would have a little bit of an appreciation for, but it got to the point where she was grading papers and I had this on. Uh, and Cameron, he comes out, what are you watching? I'm like, I'm watching McGruber. He's like, never heard of it. Throws in his ear pods and he starts watching something like YouTube on his phone. Tab is grading papers. I put this in. I don't know, five, 10 minutes into it, Cameron takes his ear, you know, his ear pods out or whatever and starts watching this thing because I guess he overheard what was going on. Tabitha gets to the point where she is making these snide comments and she's eye rolling while she's grading math to the point where she stops grading to put in her earphones and watches something on her phone so she doesn't have to watch it. She hates this film, hates it. But more importantly, what do you think of this film? Uh, this is so I I really I kind of tiptoed into this because after my reaction to Popstar, I, I was thinking, OK, we got another R-rated comedy here. And I had some issues with Popstar, even though there are some very, very funny moments in Popstar. I didn't think it was consistently funny. And, you know, go back to hear my thoughts on it. But it, it just kind of barely missed the mark, just like the last action hero. The, the difference to this one versus pop star is a couple of things. I think why I love this film so much is it's an unpredictable, funny movie. And I've seen it now twice and it still catches me off guard. It, there's some surprises and, I, and I, I'm, I'm like, man, I totally remember that now. And I'm laughing because I just didn't expect it. So that's the first thing I love about it. And the second thing is I really like that it has this go for broke attitude. And when you say stupid, I think you're underselling it. I mean, <laughs> it takes stupid and goes, hold my beer and I'm going to keep going with a joke until it is just run into the ground. 
And for me, it gets funnier and funnier. But I know for people like my wife, they're going to go, well, that joke was not fun. Why are they still going on with that joke? Will they please <laughs> stop doing that joke? And oh, my God, I'm going to slip my wrist. That joke is, you know, now it's not even not funny. It's annoying. So, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah. 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 And, and my favorite, I guess, three things. Right. So I love those two things. And I love watching Will Forte just go off the deep end in his performances. I don't think anybody does it better. Uh, and, and we can talk about performances, but I, I kind of want to start with um, this question. You've seen it three or four times. I've only seen it a couple times. That comment of it being unpredictable, do you, does anything in this film still surprise you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like even like when he gets the guns at the very end and you're like, there's a moment where, yeah, yes, yes. To be honest with you, I'm still kind of surprised of the choices that they made with this and just how um, out of, I don't want to say out of left field. Yes. Cause I'm surprised by a lot, a lot of things that they just decided to put it in this movie and uh, they were okay with, um, you know, there's this weird, underlying joke where he's like i will suck your dick and then he's like always kind of like has yeah. to like take it back for a second you're just like okay yeah that's okay that's funny um because he will like he's so desperate and he'll beg for anything um i don't know if you could set out even if i've seen this movie before and it's been a little while there's still moments i forget and it's still i guess shocked is the right word it still kind of shocks me that they did this movie they made this movie and I, I applaud them for that. It was a bad investment, obviously, because uh, it didn't make any money. Um, it's like got a cult following now, but yeah, yeah I, it, it's just so weird. And so you're right. It's surprising where they go with this thing, even though I've seen it before, that's a long winded answer, but that's no. And it's, I, you, you talked about this too. I'm, there's some jokes that they continue through the entire film and I'm surprised that they keep doing it. So you you talked about the removable radio, right? And I love the fact that he listens to Yacht Rock. So yep. the soundtrack will try and kick into something that's like this 80s action thing. And all of a sudden he turns the radio and you get like air supply or something. So I, I, that makes me laugh all the time. I love these little, I don't know, nuanced jokes where he's having this exchange with Vicky. And I'm putting a team together. And she's like, no, he's like, well if, if you change your mind, here's where you find hands are like a piece of paper. And it's this folded up piece of paper that says I'm at the Pentagon <laughs> in this horrible childish handwriting. Yeah, it's like this, yeah. Yep. It's like he wrote, like he's right-handed, but he's trying to write left-handed. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I still, to this day, every time I, the celery stick, it, mm-hmm. I totally yes. forget about the celery stick. Uh, <laughs> this had me in tears. Cameron and I were laughing so hard on this one. We had to kind of rewind it. Um, so Vicky is impersonating MacGruber in the coffee shop and we're <laughs> dying through that whole thing. Right. And then he's like, I'm just a few blocks away. And, and she's like, Oh, a few, Oh, you caught me. I'm 27 blocks away. <laughs> and when they're shooting at him and then Kristen Wick falls on the floor and is screaming, uh, it's, it's comic gold. It, I love the, the very physical comedy. Then after that sequence, Vicky's dressed up as Haas, the the delivery, and then all of a sudden Piper gets shows up and is dressed as MacGuber, and there's there's no explanation. Yet. No explanation why. Yeah. 
I just start laughing again because in my head, I'm like, oh, he's convincing everybody to dress up so he doesn't get hit. And you you put two and two together. It's so freaking funny. I love the KFBR 392 license plate. Uh, that running gag where the guy cuts him off and he's just reciting that license plate. And then I think Piper they find opened, the journal. Yeah. And, it's just that license. and then he finally sees the car, takes it to town. Um, yeah. So, and that's funny because like that joke, I didn't get the first time. Yeah. And it, it took me a second time to see it. Like, oh, why? Cause I was like, why did he destroy that guy's car? You're like, Oh, that's the guy. That's KFBR the BR three, nine, two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that always surprises me and it, it's, it's two of the most unsexy sex scenes ever in a film. Like yeah. I, I can't explain how it, and it's not even, it, it, they're so awkward and it sounds like a moose going at it, I guess is a moose call. I don't know what it is. Um, I yeah, just you're can't. not wrong. It's uh, yeah, it's very uh, a- animalistic. Yeah, it's like sure. a, it's like if a if a moose and a raccoon mated, <laughs> you yeah. would you would get those sounds, and it's it's the way you get this romantic saxophone music, and then the music just cuts away, and it's like moose and raccoon sounds, and you see them going at it like full. Oh man, it's, yep. it's crazy, and, and then and then he runs out goes to the cemetery and has an unsexy sex scene with uh Rudolph and her ghost. Yeah. And more moose and raccoon sounds. Yep. Um, but I got, I got to tell you the thing, this is going to sound so stupid. Like Cameron and I, even today we're talking about this and every time he says this sentence, we both start cracking up and it's my God, this is okay. My favorite thing in the entire film is him and Piper are are sitting on the deck and they're having a few beers and they're talking. And <laughs> MacGruber goes, you're loco, man. And then all of a sudden these subtitles so goes, pop you're up. Crazy, man. You're crazy, man. And I don't know why, but I was in a fit of laughter to the point we had to stop it because I was crying so hard. I'm like, why did they do? I just, it came out of left field and uh, it kills that me. whole exchange with they're sitting there talking to each other might be one of the funniest scenes <laughs> of all time. It is because he also talks about how he was so comfortable with her that he like let, let her let her lick his ass or something like that. I, and, oh, my God. I was just like, it's oh, so awkward. So. But they throw that subtitle up there and I just lose it because uh, I, I don't know. I Again, it's that go for broke, unpredictable. Once you buy into it and you're just along for the ride, you don't know what they're going to throw at you. I, it's just hard not to laugh, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree in the the ongoing uh, Dieter von Kuntz stuff <laughs> is is just kind of spot on, man. I, I think that's so funny. Because uh, it's just right. Th- it's right there, right there. It is. Um, yeah, and it, it's got like that very '80s action movie plot where you know a supervillain uh, steals a, a nuclear warhead and he's going to use it to you know decimate Washington D.C. Blah blah blah. And then you know we get a little bit of political intrigue, but yeah. you know at the end of the day, 
It's got McGruber inside of a warhead. He's like, why are all these wires? I'm a three wire guy. Oh, here's a green one. Oh, there's a lot more green ones. Yeah. And so he's just pulling out pieces and stuff. It's great. I, I love it. I, I love that sort of the climax ties directly into the McGruber skits that they're doing on SNL. Like, oh, McGruber, you, there's 20 seconds remaining. And he's like, oh, my God, too many wires. Um, yeah, I just. Come on, McGruber. It's so unpredictable. I, I, I want to take a minute for the performances, um, starting with Will Forte. I mean, holy cow! When, when he goes to the extreme, it's scary, but it's it's super funny. And and you had mentioned this. And again, talk about surprising and unpredictability. He he starts groveling and begging, and goes into, oh man, I'll do this for you, da da da. And the camera turns, and it's on Piper, and Piper's getting annoyed. He goes back to Will Forte. Next thing you know, his pants are off. and i just you lose it man um and he's god he's such a horrible person for most of the film but i've never seen anybody just be a horrible person and be so charming about it and by the end of the film you're kind of rooting for him uh yeah yes you're definitely rooting for mcgruber this movie yeah it's hard not to I'll say this. Nobody he uses a person as a human shield. Yeah. You're like, oh, he's still a good guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and nobody, I, I'm going to say this about Forte. Nobody can use the F word like Will Forte. Uh, he puts everything into that word when he says it. And it's hilarious to watch him drop multiple F bombs. I, I, I would watch a loop of him just cussing because it's so damn funny. I will tell you, I watched one part of this movie. It's so subtle, but when he's walking into the house in that white suit and the guy's getting ready to say something to him, like, oh, is your name on the list or whatever? And he just gives him the finger yeah. and keeps walking. <laughs> the way he does it, it's so funny to me. And it's that's like it's one of those things where you don't really know. Like, I notice it, but it's one of those things like you don't notice stuff like that if it's like awesome but if it's bad, you're like, ah, that kind of sucked. But he oh, just he sells owns, it so well. It's yeah. so good. And he's carrying that damn car stereo when he's yeah, doing he's it, too. Car stereo is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, his yell also is very sort of menacing. And uh, he keeps talking about, you know, I'm going to rip some throats out. And you're like, okay, yeah. Because at this point, he hasn't done anything menacing at all. Um, and he's kind of been bumbling through this whole movie. And then you get to the point where... He starts ripping out throats um, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go for the turkey. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's a bowling term. A bowling I, I term. like use it yeah, with throat exactly. ripping too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I can't think of another actor, maybe Christopher Walken. And now that, I mean, is there another actor that can cuss as good as Will Forte? I mean, like besides Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Samuel Jackson. Well, Samuel Jackson. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Although with Samuel Jackson, it's not funny. It can be. It can be. All right. So outside of Samuel Jackson and Will Forte, (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like that should, they should have a cuss off or something. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would like to see a Lethal Weapon it's remake. Fuck your fucking face, motherfucker. <laughs> Part fucking two. Yeah. I, I, I want to see those two do a Lethal Weapon remake together. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, stick this fucking gun up your ass, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, Kristen Wiig, I, she has this nuanced, understated comedy. I really like just that whole coffee shop scene mm. is a great example of how funny she is. And it's almost mouse-like, but then goes into frantic physical comedy and then kind of recovers from that. And is, well, this, I, I don't think I like this. Oh, this is just like Nicaragua. Well, I got shot in Nicaragua. It's nothing like Nicaragua. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she's fantastic in this. Yeah, um, she's really good in this movie. And, you know, sometimes you need like a straight man. I guess the Ryan Phillippe Piper is the straight man of this movie, even though he kind of turns to. But having those two kind of bounce off of each other is something I want to see more of. Cause I think they're great together. Um, yeah, man, she's really good in this movie and it's very mouse. Like you're correct. Like it's a very sort of subdued performance until it's, it's not. And yeah. that's what's been the best about it. Like when you are not expecting someone to blow up all of a sudden, cause they've been sort of mousy and then they, they do something. Uh, it, that's where the comedy comes in and it pays off, right? Like you, her performance is sort of the that that explosion is the punchline and you kind of have to wait a little bit for it but it's great when it when it pays off no that that's a really good way of putting it i i she she follows him around with a puppy dog like stare i mean it's it's so cute i I think the thing of it is when you get great chemistry and those two have obviously worked together for many many years on snl it really comes through in this film and you you can tell that one of the you know MacGruber, he's <laughs> I don't I don't think there's any character growth with MacGruber, which is one of the things I like about this film. He's the guy at the end of the film that he was at the beginning of the film, but the world starts to understand how good he is at what he's supposed to be doing. Well, he does like forget his dead wife. I guess would be his only sort of. He's, he's learned to let go. Oh, he's learned to let go. Okay. But I, I just love the relationship that kind of develops between him and Kristen Wiig. And I think that's one of the reasons why you end up liking him as a character uh, is because of the chemistry between those two. And even though he's constantly putting her into danger and stuff like that, it, I, I don't know, it, it just works. They're, they're an awesome power couple. Uh, and straight, when you talk about like the straight man from a comedy perspective, I don't think it's just Ryan. I think it's Val Kilmer too. I, yeah, he, your villain has to be villainous uh, to yeah. to be to be plain and simple. Um, but I, I, I always walk out of this movie wondering why Ryan Phillippe's not more of a comic comedian, like a, a more like doesn't do more comedies because I think he's super funny in this movie. I mean, he's going against people who basically do this for a living on SNL. Yeah, and he is almost just as funny as they are. I, I think him and Val Kilmer both are. I, I, we don't, I don't know when we talk about comedy, I don't think we talk about the straight man performance enough and the exchanges between Val Kilmer and Will Forte and Ryan Felipe um, and, and Will Forte, they're, they're fantastic. And I, I don't think that type of role gets enough love. I mean, you think about D Martin and Jerry Lewis. I mean, Jerry Lewis, yeah. gets all of the notoriety in terms of, of the comedy between those two, but you cannot um, say enough about Dean Martin's ability 
to kind of stage the joke for Jerry Lewis to play off of. And even Dean Martin's reaction to Jerry Lewis is comedic gold. And I think it, it takes a lot of talent to play sort of that straight faced and give the other performers something to react against. And then as soon as you kind of lob up, lob up the softball and they, you know, hit it out of the ballpark, you have to have a reaction that's natural for your character, but then also provides this comedic element. And Ryan and Val do that time and time again with Will Forte, especially when he goes on these blow ups and he's dropping the F bomb left and right. Their reaction to it, uh, I'm I, a I, they should get an Academy Award for not, you know, <laughs> laughing because breaking character. Yeah, yet. it's hilarious. Uh, and it, I don't know if you watch the outtakes or bloopers, but when Ryan was doing the uh, celery thing, he kept breaking the celery stick. I guess his butt talks were <laughs> yeah, he was too strong with the butt. too strong with the butt. Yeah, but yeah. Um, no, I, I I really don't think we give enough. I don't know, credit to the straight man performance and in, in these two specifically. I don't think McGruber works very well no, you, without you them. To, yeah. You have to have that somewhat of a balance. Cause then it's just ridiculous all the time. And, and yeah, those, those straight men performances are all about timing and getting that timing. Correct. Um, to let a, a joke kind of sit there for a second and then react and then react naturally, but also in a funny way, it, it's it's complicated, and I think he, both of them, like you said, both of them do their performances so well. It really heightens this movie and takes it from, hey, this movie is really funny to, oh my gosh, this movie is hilarious. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen because everyone in this movie is funny. Who is not funny in this movie? I, every, no, but that's, again, I think <laughs> Will Forte, don't get me wrong, should get... Uh, a ton of the credit for MacGruber. Mm -hmm. But the reason why MacGruber is funny is because of everything they put around Will Forte, Kristen Wiig, Val Kilmer, Ryan, Maya Rudolph. I mean, all of them. Right. So, uh, all these little bit performances, they're, they're so, they just lead to something bigger and funnier. Whereas MacGruber on his own if you don't get the right straight person, if you don't get that right chemistry with the love interest and everything else, I, I think MacGruber doesn't work and you would have more dead air and dead time or comedy that doesn't go over well, et cetera. I, I think again, probably putting this on a pedestal that's too high. I think MacGruber, what makes it one of the best comedies that we've talked about is that it really does a good job of taking very stupid material very stupid material mm -hmm. and elevating it to a point where you get the giggles and you're laughing so hard because of the respect that everybody's giving to that material. And you just don't see that. I mean, I don't think somebody like Adam Sandler could pull off a movie like MacGruber because he would, he, he would just be saying the lines. I, I really believe every character in this film. Yeah. Yeah. You, the, the actors, when you're doing a, a movie like this, kind of have to let their egos go a little bit because you're going to look ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and if you're someone, like you said, like Adam Sandler, you, your ego's too big, you're not going to do that. And it's you're we're going to see that and it's not going to be as funny. The movie's going to suffer. Yeah, if this was Adam Sandler's MacGruber, totally not as funny. Yeah, I, I can't think. I mean, I think the good the good sign of a great performance is when you can't imagine anybody else in that role. And a sign of a of a movie, of a real of a real funny movie is 
when you have to like stop the movie and go back because you laughed and you missed parts because yeah. I did that a few times. I'm like, shit, I missed a joke. I have to like, <laughs> go back a few minutes or a few seconds. Cause I totally was still laughing and I can't hear what they said because you know, the last part was still, I was still laughing from the last part. So, so do you have to have um, an appreciation of MacGyver as a, as an icon or watch the TV show to appreciate? I mean, I've never seen the show and I love this film, no, but does it I, add to it by seeing episodes of MacGyver? Maybe it does because like he, he does that part where he goes to his special like case in his, you know, in his house or whatever um, and pulls out all the supplies. And it's pretty funny because you're expecting it to be, you know, action movie from the eighties sort of deal, a bunch of guns and stuff. And no, it's like dental floss and tax and things like that. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of the reference you're getting to MacGruber. He tries to make the tennis ball grenade. Um, but you get that anyway. Like he's yeah. obviously like, you don't need the MacGyver part of that. I think, you know, this is more of a callback to, like we said, lethal weapon and die hard, um, Rambo more of so of that MacGruber just kind of happens to like prefer to make things out of your dental flosses and things like that, as opposed to guns. And then by the end of it, he's a gun expert. So, um, is he a gun expert? No, he's not a gun expert, but <laughs> no. whatever. Uh, but I, maybe it, uh, but just barely, like I, I, I think the, the MacGyver part of this movie is so minimal because you, you know what MacGyver is regardless, right? Like, even though you've never seen an episode, you know, the premise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all you really need. Okay. And I, do you, you think this is a good parody of action films, specifically eighties action films? Oh yes. Yeah. Like I would put this up against like hot shots and stuff like that. Uh, I agree. I, I mean, <laughs> I know something like the last action hero was supposed to be a parody of that or a love letter to action films. Mm-hmm. This to me is the kind of over the top stuff that you were kind of hoping for in the last action hero, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on the, like the vulgarity side of things, you're not going to get Arnold to do that. Um, So yeah, that was going to be a different movie, but this is taking that stuff and, and, and turning up the vulgarity up to like, I don't know, to some, I mean, there's some things that like I blushed about and I say a lot of things and it's just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Holy shit. They said that. I, uh, the moose raccoon sounds still haunt me, but I mean, I, you know, that's a, that's a good movie title you brought up was hot shots to me. This is like the R rated version of a hot shots film, which mm-hmm. is why I think I, I find it so funny because those hot shot films, I mean, I, I can't watch the second one with, I, that's probably how I'm going to die. That whole chicken arrow sequence, chicken arrow. Yep. I, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't control myself when I see that. Um, but this is is just a big, bold, loud R rated version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's not, I'm trying to think if I go more than a few minutes without at least chuckling at something and definitely not more than five or 10 minutes without like laughing hard. Right. So, I mean, the laughs come pretty hot and heavy and again, man, like, I don't know if, if I'm with people and we're there's 10 of us watching this movie and there's like one person not laughing. I'm like, I think you have to leave because you might be like a psychopath. I, I <laughs> you just, have I no soul, sir. <laughs> yeah. You, I can't trust people who don't think this is funny. Like this is like a litmus test for, Hey, can we be friends or not? 
let's watch MacGruber. And if you're not laughing the whole time, then we're not friends. Did, uh, did it surprise you that this got, so something we didn't even know about. And I stumbled across the trailer. This, this is how oblivious I am to TV, but I want to say it was about a month ago, probably even less than that. Uh, I, I think I sent you the trailer and was like, did, did you know there's going to be a MacGruber television show on the Peacock channel streaming? And uh, they did their, their trailer was a five minute trailer of a news person interviewing MacGruber in prison because the setup of the TV series is he's in jail now for murder. Okay. And there, and it's almost like a, I don't know, a 60 Did he rip someone's throat out. Yes. Uh, okay. 60. Well, I don't want to give it away. Um, okay. but there's a, you know, you've seen those 60 minute uh, exposés where they interview, you know, the serial killer or whatnot. It's, it's set up like that. And of course okay. it's very R rated because Will Forte, I mean, he's, there are, it is true MacGruber humor. And then, uh, I want to say last week it, it debuted, uh, and they, 16th. Yeah, so you can watch the first episode for free if you happen to like the film and I did and I will say Sammy uh, our good friend from the GGTMC was the one who told us to go watch it so I, I did watch it and I got to tell you that first episode did not disappoint it is written and directed by all the people who did the film and it's just as funny as the film the very first okay. episode so, so I, I'm assuming it kind of is is taking the place of like getting a sequel for this movie instead of a sequel we're getting this tv show i'm assuming is how it's working i've also heard that they're doing a mcgruber film again yeah i mean if it does well i mean mcgruber didn't make a whole lot of money at the box office it basically broke even ish but it has become a cult classic i mean in the circles rerun with this is people say this is one of the funniest movies they've seen right like yeah, well, I was surprised how many. Uh, so you gave the stats for the critics and even the audience scores. But if you look at some of the reviews out there, the ones who love this and, and we're not talking like the I don't know, the Utah Gazette gave Gruber four out of four stars. You know, we're talking some heavy hitters in terms of reviewers really champion this film, even when it came out at that time, said it was mm -hmm. it was really funny which surprises me, but I gotta, I gotta be honest with you out of all the properties that were floating around out there, especially that came out, um, you know, in this time period or of any of the SNL, I don't know, type properties that they've done. Cause this is for the most part, it, it is an SNL film. I mean, Lauren mm -hmm. Michaels produced it. Yep. McGruber was the last one I thought would ever get a TV show. Yeah. This surprised the heck out of me that, that, it's continued and that they got everybody back. Yeah. And I'm assuming because it's on streaming, it's, it's mature. So that's good. Like I, I don't want to see a PG 13 MacGruber. No, this, this thing you would have thought after they finished wrapping in 2009, they gave it a couple of months and went right back in. And uh, I don't know, may, maybe this is the other hundred pages of the script, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of that 177. Yeah. And they turned it into this, but um, yeah, I got to tell you that first episode, I they were I was laughing throughout the whole thing, and true to form, it's only thirty five minutes. Uh, there was about two or three sequences I was laughing out loud on again, just like the film. I was laughing through the whole thing, but no. um, yeah, I was I was really surprised. So 
I don't know. This could be the thing that makes me get Peacock as a streaming service just so I can finish MacGruber. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'll check it out for sure. I was I was I was pretty happy with it. I don't know what what else. I like like I said, this one's kind of a hard film to review because uh, there's no depth to it. It it really is talking about um, I don't know praising the performances, praising the audacity of the script, just basking in the lunacy of it all and and it's go for broke and unpredictable attitude but outside of that i mean there there's there's we're not going to be talking about you know world politics or no no not there's no religious thing in this or anything like that i think the i think the some of the final sequences of this movie are great like even they even nail the ending yeah um it that's pretty good so I mean, he throws Val Kilmer off the cliff, shoots him with a gun, and then pisses on him. It's <laughs> just it's such a great walk off for this movie. Um, well, and and the TV show deals directly with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's wow. why he's that, okay. That's I what, might have to check this out. Yeah, that's why he's in prison. Ah. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I got to tell you. Um, yeah, I I had a lot of fun watching this thing. Very good. Okay. Yeah, I. I am off for a while um, and I'm like, I'm probably going to watch MacGruber again before, before I go back to work. I, I have a feeling I'm going to be calling some people up and go, Hey, you want to come over and uh, let's, let's have a few drinks and watch MacGruber. <laughs> yeah. Cause my son oh, and I have been sure. quoting it for like the last three or four days now. So um, yeah, you're loco, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy, man. <laughs> All right, Brad is uh 2010's MacGruber a bomb. Absolutely not. MacGruber is not a bomb. It is one of the funniest movies of the last 20 years easily. Yeah, I I'm with you 100%. I think the audience score kind of throws me off. I'm I find more people like this film outside of my wife. She's she, hey, look, she doesn't like mystery men either. And I don't understand that. But you don't like that film. So no. Uh, but yeah, I I had a total blast watching this thing. It's one of those, I don't know if I would just go out and tell everybody to see. I do think you have to be a fan of this type of humor because it's not R-rated humor. It's you've got to be comfortable with being surprised <laughs> and and feel awkward and uncomfortable. Yes. There's an awkwardness to a lot of the comedy too. Yeah, and if you like that, this is uh, this is a perfect film for you. Yeah, it's like that weird laugh where you're like, it's like the gross out laugh. You know what I'm talking about? It, yeah, but it's not even so. To me, not, yeah, uh, the gross out laugh is the basic. This is this starts out as a gross out laugh, and then they take that gross out scenario and go an entirely different place you didn't expect it. And so now it's awkward, and then they keep going with it, and then you're laughing at the audacity that they haven't let this joke go. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it's funny. It's so funny. I I'm really I'm. I don't know. I I'll tell you what. This movie has such good writing that I am almost debating: Do I go back and find Extreme Movie from two thousand eight and watch it? Because oh, Will Forte yeah. and um, John Solomon wrote that. So if they both wrote this film, I'm really curious about watching Extreme Movie. Although when you go and look at the reviews for it or IMDb, it looks terrible. Well, but I'm curious now because of how good this film is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'll check that out too. I, I'm curious about it. 
Yeah, when when you, Frankie Muniz and Michael Sarah in a yeah, teen remember those comedy. guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, last last episode of the year. Yeah. Do we, you know what the first movie we did this year was? Uh, what, was it The Beast? The Beast. Yeah. Yeah, we did The Beast. Yeah, that was a listener recommendation, right? Yeah. So that was episode thirty, I believe. Holy so. cow! Yeah. Uh, we're doing this next year too, right? We're keep going. We're keep going. Yeah. People okay. are listening. Actually more people listen now than they did back in the beginning of the year. So we have to keep going, I guess that's how it works. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, well, listen, this was the last lonely Island film. We figured, Hey, let's, let's celebrate. So one of the things that we're going to do is this episode is going to post last week of the year. When you hear it, uh, we want to, we want to, like have a contest or put something out there. So one of our biggest discoveries of this year actually came out of this month and it was Brigsby bear. And we went ahead and picked up a copy of that on Blu-ray. So for any U S residents, if you can just tell us what your favorite film was of 2021, or, you know, just tell us like, Hey, what was your fun discovery for this year? or something that maybe bombed that came out this year that you think we should cover. We're trying to put a list together of films. We want to talk about in January of, um, movies that bombed this year, but you know, send us an email and, uh, we'll put this on social media too. So if you leave your comment there, we'll, we'll pull your name in it again, us residents. We'll, we'll try and find something for our international listeners at some point. It's just shipping right now. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we want to give you a copy of Brigsby Bear. So, Brad, how would they get a hold of us if they want to share their thoughts on some of their favorite finds of 2021? Yeah, that's uh, not a at com. You can also go to our website, which is not a bombpodcast.com, and hit the contact us button. And then you can fill out the form there and it'll send it directly to our inbox. So, uh, you can also. Reach out on us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to uh, comment um, on the post. And, hey, share it and like it and do all that stuff and, and pass it around and hopefully kind of help us get a little bit more uh, visibility with people. Um, yeah, hey, I'll yeah, tell you we what. We want to get back a little bit because Brigsby Bear was just a, such a discovery for us that we want to make sure that other people discover it as well. Yeah, and, and how about if uh, – you get two entries if you leave us a review on iTunes or some other podcasting app. So yeah. let us know you did that, and we'll we'll put your name in twice, and then uh, we'll do a drawing uh, first episode of 2022. Yep. Which do we want to say what we're doing for the January? Um, the first episode. Sure. Do we do we know? We do know. We do. Okay. What is it? I'm totally. We're doing blank. raging. We're doing Donnie Yin's Raging Fire. Oh, boy. that was my pick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing Donnie Yen film. There you go. Yeah, remember that Troy? We talked about all these, uh, you know, timelines we put together. And that's Excel right. That's right. Sheets. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So next uh, episode, what we're doing in January is we're taking a look back at some of the U.S. theatrical bombs. So I mean, and I feel like any time a Donnie Yen film comes up, we're cheating because if yeah. you look at the international box office numbers, you're like, holy. Cal, that movie made a ton of movie money, but I don't care. Not I, in the I US. I want to talk about Donnie and Raging Fire. Yes, okay? not in the US. In the US, not even close. So yeah. by default and the not a bomb protocol rules, section B, subsection 
four. Uh, it's called the Donnie Yen Clause. The Donnie Yen Clause. Um, we can talk about all Donnie Yen films as long as they pour, perform poorly in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right? Perform poorly. Yep. Perform poorly there. Can't talk poorly. now. Poorly. Poorly. Well, hey, what else are we? I, I just just to give everybody a glimpse of what we're trying to do in 2022. We talked about January. We're going to pick some box office bombs of 2021. I know the two movies. Now that you mention it, the two movies that I've picked are international films. Mm-hmm. And I think you're picking two movies that came out in the U.S. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, February, we're letting the wives program, right? Yeah. So February is usually Valentine's month. And so we figured, why not the ones that love us the most pick the movies that they know we will hate the most? Yes. So uh, they're going to pick our movies that we watch. Um, so that those will be curated by our wives because they know exactly what we hate the most and they are going to pick those films because you know they want to hear us squirm a little bit i guess who knows i don't know february's gonna be a rough month but hey we'll have fun with it uh we've also decided i think in march or april so brad it's it's you hate musicals i know you hate music you absolutely hate musicals so why not do a couple of bollywood films yeah yeah i i I came across the Bollywood film on Amazon prime. That was literally the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I just turned it on out of, I don't know why I just was like, Hey, you know what? And I started texting you about it and you're like, yeah, they're all like that. It's like, Oh my God, I I need to see more. So we're, we're doing two Bollywood films, which, you know, our listenership will, uh, dip down low those two weeks, but you know, <laughs> I don't care. I want to, I want to do them. So yeah, we're going to you know do a few things here and there that uh, we just want to do. Yeah. I, and I happen to be a huge Bollywood fan. So um, I got a feeling that's going to turn out to be like another Argento episode, right? So yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, October, you can expect another full month of spooky movies. I think we've also kind of talked about, we want to do some classic box office bombs. So a great example is Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, when it came out, did not do well. And now it's considered one of the greatest films of all time. It's one of my favorite films, yep. Yeah, so what we wanna do is we do wanna scatter some of those classic all-time box office bombs that make the list, that may have already been reevaluated and are now considered some of the best contemporary films of all time. I would ask the listeners if there's anything that you can think of that you say, Hey, we know this, this film is such a disaster. We'd like to hear your thoughts on it because it it's not considered a classic. Send the list over to us. There's a ton out there. Miracle or not miracle. Um, what's the other Christmas? Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. life. It was another bomb citizen Kane, stuff like that. We're looking for just, uh, the ones that are, I guess you would consider now, some of the tentpole films that filmmakers reference and consider, you know, I, I don't know, the blueprint for American cinema or even international cinema. Yeah, yeah. And we want to tackle those and, and see if we can add a bit more commentary on it. Yeah, we would come at it at a different angle, probably talk about the more of the context when it was, was released and why it did not do particularly well at the time. And then talk about it as, you know, how, what it means to us now and all that stuff. But yeah, try not to uh, come at it that academically because 
you could hear a lot of people talk about Citizen Kane that are smarter than me for sure. So I am not going to embarrass myself, but we can put our spin on it for sure. Yep. And we promise we will get back to uh, Cowboy Bebop in January. Scheduling conflicts have been crazy and we don't want to do that show without our good friend Sammy. So, yep. Yep. And, um, you know, we we needed to get this stuff out. Um, and yeah, so this show always takes precedent. And it sounds like the the GGTMC is coming along. They're coming so back, maybe, man. They're coming maybe back. Sammy will have a, a nice announcement every once uh, very soon. So, yeah, um, it's been a fun year, man. Um, I appreciate everyone uh, listening to us, leaving us a review, just like growing our little community. It's been awesome. Um, Jose, Josh, Sammy, you know, Randy have been big people I text with all the time now and talk with all the time. And we have listeners that, you know, send in questions and send us stuff like someone has been, you know, sent me a PlayStation and all this stuff. And it, it's just, it, it's humbling to know that you and I talk once a week on microphone and people listen and enjoy it. And, and I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever's more than one is, <laughs> is good for me, you know? Yeah. I, I'll say this. The other thing that we promise not to do next year, you, you won't be hearing advertisements we, we still get the emails. We, we get a lot of, um, I don't know, invitations. We don't want to do it now. That will all change the minute the Swedish fish company says they want to run commercials. You'll, you know, the podcast then will be probably four hours long with three hours being Swedish fish commercials. Yeah. Uh, if it gets us free Swedish fish, of course, um, that's the caveat, but no, is that your favorite, is that your favorite like movie candy? I think it is. I really do. Uh, it, for the longest time it used to be Mike and Ike's. Yeah. And I, I, I still like that. It's it's down between those two. But there's just something about Swedish fish. It's like comfort food candy for me. Yeah. I don't know what's yours. I, I, I like me a big, a nice Sour Patch Kid. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. So, Nothing wrong with yeah. that. Um, I don't know. What else do we got coming next year? We're, we're, we'll probably do some more giveaways. I know we're doing a giveaway with this show for Brigsby Bear. We're going to do another giveaway when we do Raging Fire. More details on that coming. So uh, we want to kind of spread the love of some films that we discover and uh, make sure you get a hold of them. I don't know. What else, man? Oh, we're going to do a special award show. Oh, we yes. Did talk about yes, this. The bombies. The bombies. So the premise of this is we're going to go back and um, give best picture, best actor, everything to the movies that we reviewed in 2021. So yeah. that'll be a special episode that we record outside of the normal you're getting lots of not a bomb next year <laughs> yeah so anything that we reviewed for 2021 is eligible i will bring some nominees for troy we'll we'll come up with the categories i'll have some nominees troy will have some nominees and we'll basically just say here's why i think this film should win and troy will make his argument for his and then we'll vote we'll have to come to a conclusion and yeah. who what it is so yeah you'll just get to hear us <laughs> talk about our thoughts so yeah it's gonna be fun uh I can't, I can't wait either that that sounds a lot of fun but hey uh i don't know go watch mcgruber go watch all the you know even though there was one that i kind of gave a thumbs down on i gotta say if you go back and watch all of december's movies from the lonely island you can't go wrong yeah you'll have a good time you will have a good time yeah i i gotta say brigsby bear um if you had to rank these how would you rank them uh hot rod 
Brigsby Bear, McGruber, Popstar. Ooh. Uh, I do Brigsby Bear, McGruber, Hot Rod, Popstar. Okay. But they're still all fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think the first three are pretty spectacular, yeah. to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. I agree. And they're all different types of comedy, which is what yeah. I like about yep. it, too. Okay. Well, listen, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, afternoon, or evening. We hope you have a happy and safe new year. And we'll catch you in 2022 when we talk about Donnie Yen. Be safe. I don't know. Uh, what else, Brad? Uh, don't lose your head. Don't lose your head.